This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Metal Slicks Podcast is brought to you by Outer Loop Records. Outer Loop Records is back with a brand new partnership with Cooking Vinyl and is happy to have relaunched and announced the signing of four bands, Chasing Safety, Magash, Youth and Revolt, and Lorna Shore. Here's a taste of Lorna Shore's Denounce the Light from their forthcoming Flesh Coffin album due out February 17th, 2017. <laughs> for Lorna Shore's Flesh Coffin are available via All In Merch, allinmerch.com slash Outerloop. If you're in the greater New York City area, make sure you go to the Outerloop Records Showcase on Thursday, November 17th at the studio at Webster Hall. All the label bands are playing and they'll have some really cool contests going on. Tickets available at WebsterHall.com. This episode of the Metal Slicks Podcast is brought to you by Converse Rubber Tracks. Any band can apply for a full day of studio time at Converse.com slash Rubber Tracks. If selected, bands record at no cost while maintaining the rights to their own music. For more info, visit Converse-Music.com. Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How you doing? I'm Chuck. I'm Godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. Brought to you today by Black Sabbath Super Deluxe Edition of the classic Paranoid album. It's out now. The four CD set includes the 2012 remaster of the original album, in addition to a rare 1974 Paranoid quad mix folded down to stereo and two European concerts from 1970, including an official release of the legendary RTBF live shows recorded in Brussels. Packaged with a hardbound book with new interviews, rare photos, and memorabilia along with a poster and replica of the 1970 tour book. Grab your copy in stores or online right now. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. You want this thing to come to your device every single week. That way you don't miss a single second of the Metal Sucks podcast. But if you uh, are not so inclined, if you happen to have a flip phone and or use smoke signals or something else to communicate with other people, Go to MetalSucks.net. If you go there on the podcast tab right there at the top, you can find all of our podcasts listed right there. Why? Because it's the freaking podcast tab. So uh, click on it and you'll find all the stuff. It'll be pretty awesome. we got a couple of podcasts that you might enjoy. So, yeah, get the uh, old episodes. Find us all over the place on social media. I am at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks. Godless Speaks on Facebook and Spotify. You can find us on Instagram at Chuck and Godless as well as ChuckandGodless.com. That would be our Patreon. We like to beg for money. So, um, yeah, that's what we do. Uh, and, and nobody's giving us shit about begging for money. So I don't know why they give it to a legion. Yeah. But- <laughs> they, well, it's because our fans are awesome. That's why. I mean, that's, and because, and you know, at this point, we're putting out. You know, this much content every freaking week for going on four years without fail. And so those people who just don't like us and would, you know, would talk smack about us don't even know that we're doing that. They come, but the people that don't, they come to rely on us and, uh, and, you know, and support us. And we appreciate that. 
So, you know, check out the, the Patreon.com slash Chuck and Godless if you want to help support us. We would appreciate it because, uh, you know, we're some broke motherfuckers. You know, I, I, just, I just spent all my money on my damn teenager uh, this uh, this past weekend. So it's... Um, well, we, we got to get into this now. Real quick, though, we, we're, we're talking to John LaMacha and Candiria this episode. Uh, song from... Oh, yeah, Front uh, Cell, Front Cell. Yeah, right. yeah. Dark Tranquility. Uh, we're going to talk more about Avenged Sevenfold, not selling shit for records. Uh, yeah, and all that good stuff. So that's that's what's coming up on the podcast. But dude, I have a fucking teenager, man. I posted this shit on Twitter, and like everybody's like, "Oh man, that sucks for you, dude." And a couple of people asked me for a picture and some of that stuff, and I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait." Yeah, you can't give a picture of your daughter out. That's crazy. No, 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 no. She is tall and she is blonde and blue eyed, and no, that's not going to happen. So. But she's turned into like um, uh, she's starting to wear all black. Uh, she bought a Ooh. pair of Doc Martens with her uh, with her um, birthday money that my that her grandma gave her. So she's got a uh-huh. pair of clunky boots now. I'm like, oh shit, oh shit. She started coming around a little bit, uh, and then nice. you know she then we go to go see Adele. So <laughs> she kind of looked a little out of place. At the Adele so show, how much of that's how much of that set you back? Well, the Adele tickets, or the, did you get them through work? No, 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 I didn't get them through work. I actually, we actually had to buy them, uh, but we got them at face value. So, like, we, it was not like I had to go through a reseller or anything like that. My buddy was actually able to get on and buy tickets the day they went on sale and got them before they sold out. So he and got, I saw some photos for I think your wife had posted on Facebook that you guys were like I mean it looked like you were sitting right like front row. Oh I no mean, no no. It was crazy close. No 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 no. They were we weren't. It's two different things. My oh. wife and her friend, her best friend, my 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 best friend's wife, uh those two they were up like eighth row, uh, like first mess. So they're like right down front, right? And then me and the kid were in the nosebleed uh, up top. <laughs> so, How could so, your wife do that to your daughter? Well, mainly because uh, uh, they they were owed this show more than anything else. They were owed this show. But be- it's your daughter's birthday. Yeah, but, you know, she's 13. So they were owed this show. I had gotten tickets for them to go see Adele at Stubbs, which is a small 1,000-person, 1,500-person venue uh, here in Austin, like, way back when. Canceled the show. Next show at the Frank Irwin Center, which is a 15,000, which is where we were, uh, <laughs> had the show tickets, had tickets for them. Canceled the show. So twice... And it happened that they had tickets, were going to the show, and it got canceled right before they were able to see her. So this What's was kind Adele's of a problem. Uh, the, I mean, there's so much to unpack here, Chuck. I mean, first of all, like, like, all right, so your daughter gets screwed on her birthday by her mom. Okay, that's <laughs> crazy. All right. And then second of all, then like you would pay money to see somebody who has screwed you over not once, but twice before. Well, you know, I mean, the, the, the thing where she had actually gotten sick on one tour and then another one, she got pregnant. So it was like a couple of different things that happened there uh, with the, with which with which she explained at the show we were at. So, you know, when we finally got to see her. She explained herself why she had uh, canceled those tours before. So, you know, there was that part of it. And as far as my daughter getting screwed, she got to spend the evening with her father, who is an awesome motherfucker. 
and you know that that that's a prize <laughs> in and of itself. So you yeah, know. but you don't need to spend what was it 125 bucks probably for those tickets, something like that. You don't need to spend that kind of money to hang out, you know, with dad. You know, you do <laughs> yeah. that. But it's at Adele, bro. It's totally different. So yeah, no, it but was. Think of how life changing that concert could have been for her. I mean, yeah, already hanging out with dad's cool and all that, but to be that close to a major star during the performance. I mean, did did did, did, did there was no offer to like even switch seats during intermission? Or I, I like asked. That? If there was no intermission, but but I did ask to, to about about that, and they're like, uh, hell no. It's <laughs> like, well, wow, fuck. All right, well, okay, so. You got to. You also had to look at like my daughter went to go see El King uh, in the in the week and a half leading up to her birthday. Right? She what, went to what go. What is El King? El, uh, the uh, X's and uh oh, you want me? The, you know that song? No. Uh, this no. is another fucking hit single, alternative single, right? So my wife took her to that show. Who was somebody she wanted to see like crazy, and they were standing like almost at the stage, you know, watching that show. Uh, so they went to that, and then like uh, three days later, went to go see The Illusionist, which is a magic show that was on Broadway. Uh, went to go see that, and then four days later than that, went to go see El King, or I mean, went to go see uh, Adele, and then the day after that, went to go see Sia. So like four big fucking shows all within the week of like leading up to her birthday. So I don't know what Sia is. Is that new, something new at SeaWorld? <laughs> no, that's oh, or, the, the pop singer with the big bows on her head. With the thing. Oh, never, never heard of her. Never, never, never heard of her. No oh, idea. Well. Um, hey, have, I, have I mentioned lately that I never leave my house? Uh, well, we we kind of <laughs> gathered that. Uh, you know, it's okay. And it's also, you know, it's pop music, you know, for the most part. But Adele was fucking awesome, though, by the way. Just, just FYI. I did not know. You know, I'm a, I'm kind of it's okay. I'm cool. I'm sappy. I like singers and stuff like that. But man, she was fucking amazing, dude. Like amazing. Uh, just commands a fucking crowd of fifteen thousand people and just owns it. And I mean, I also got the hots for her, which is kind of cool. Uh, so seeing her live was pretty fun for me as well. I would have liked to have been up front. That would have been nice. Do you spend like you spend most of the concert watching the TV screen, right? Because you're so far away. Yeah, for the most part. Uh, but they did it. They did it well. Like they did a really good job of like doing two different stages in two different places, so it kind of spread it out a little bit. Uh, there's you know the big screen, which was not just like a screen on the side of the stage. It was like a giant fucking screen on the back, which was huge and it looked really good. So yeah, like, yeah, but like I, I'm watching like. You know, we came as Romans and Gojira playing Hellfest on YouTube. I'm pretty happy with that. I don't need to spend 125 for that, you know? Well, but, you know, I mean, it's it's the experience of going to see it. And it really is different live. And her performance, like, she, she's got a presence about her that is kind of amazing. And she really does, like, it's impressive how well she commands a stage. And also, for, from a, somebody who's been singing more lately, like that's what I've been doing of, as a pastime, watching somebody else who do it live and how she does it and what she does is pretty impressive, just how easy it comes to, to her, you know, even though it's, you know, there's a lot of practice and a lot of stuff and a lot of rehearsal. But, you know, it's like looking at that going, wow. She's fucking good. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not metal. By no means is it metal. But, no. you know, it's uh, it was definitely a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, you know. just, I'm just feeling bad. Like, everybody who's giving money on Patreon right about now, they're like, he's spending money on what shit? <laughs> <laughs> what, what? 
So I just want to let everybody know that I never leave my house. You know, I'm 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 eating my toenail clippings at this point. So you know, Patreon's a good thing. You know, Chuck might be fucking around with the money, but I'm not. I'm being I'm being tight as 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 can be. I'll tell you this: (laughs) I never would have spent that money to go see her on my own. Like if it wasn't for my daughter's thirteenth birthday. And my wife, all the shit to deal with that. If it wasn't for that, I would not have spent the money for myself to go see her by by myself. Or you know what I'm saying? It's like I wouldn't have done that on my own. So you know, there's that part. If that's any consolation to you, no. I'm hoping the whole black clothing thing picks up, and you know, eventually, you know, we're bringing the kids on the uh, seventy thousand tons of metal every February. I That'd don't think so. I I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I've I've tried. And so, okay, so I did kind of we've kind of entered a little bit into the world of Green Day lately. Like I was like, check this band out and and played like, you know, the new Green Day. Right. I was like, it's child abuse. Well, dude, it's not that bad. It's okay. But if if you're coming from fucking pop music, it's it's, you know, pretty good. So, you know, you got to deal with it. Uh, and I think it's actually, you know, started to start to darken it up a little bit. You know, it's like, all right, come on, get some teen angst going on. And we're almost there. Almost there. <laughs> uh, but then when teen angst comes around, then they get all fucking rebellious. And I don't know if I need that shit, you know, so, you know, but uh, but but yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to bring her around to fucking death metal or anything. So it probably just isn't going to happen. She's going to hold a grudge against your wife for a little while, and rightfully so, I got to say. So, you know, at least you got that going for you. <laughs> hold a grudge for what? Oh, for the tickets? For, for Yeah, for fucking her over at the Adele concert. No, that's, that's, no, no. She was actually cool. But, you know, I, I, it could I, be like I, hidden, repressed or something, you know? Yeah, it'll be repressed. And then, and then, oh my God, my, my father tried to, tried to abuse me with a new Green Day. Oh my God. You know? <laughs> well, oh, that could yeah, be some story like, that she can tell her therapist one day that because, you know, uh, she next can't. Thing handle. you know, you're going to, you're going to like buy her blood sugar sex magic for Christmas. Don't do that. You know, that's just, nobody should do that. What's wrong with the fucking else? chili peppers, bro? God damn. You got, you, got, oh my you, God. you got issues, man. That is the most overrated band in the history of bands, and I feel bad. A shout out to Crash Thompson, who I was insulting Red Hot Chili Peppers to on on uh, Twitter, and then he sends back a picture of his Red Hot Chili Peppers tattoo. So I, I, go, oh, I feel bad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Godless putting his foot in his fucking mouth. All nah, right. I'm not going to do that, but you know, it's mm. oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was asking whether that's complimented by his Ned's Atomic Dustbin back tattoo because it's the only thing I could think of. It'd be the tram stamp, you know. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I get the I get the disturbed sun in the middle of my back. You know, that's what you know, one of those up there. That's pretty cool. And it's also an Allison Chain sun. Oh, and it's also another, <laughs> and so on. Oh, it's also a Godsmack sun. Yeah, it's also. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, has Avenged Sevenfold used that yet? I mean, um, not sure that not maybe that's yet. what's missing on the new album. Right? Yeah, it's coming. That's <laughs> that's why it didn't sell. I don't know. Uh, something we got to get into later in this show, uh, but uh, you know, we got to get into our interview with uh, uh, John Lamachia of uh, of Candiria here in just a little bit. But first, this episode of Mental Sex Podcast is brought to you by Converse Rubber Tracks. Any band can, can apply for a full day of studio time at Converse dot com slash Rubber Tracks. Is selected, bands recorded no cost while maintaining the rights to their own music. For more information on the program, converse music. 
com. Check it out. I think you're going to be impressed, especially by who's recording the music. That's kind of an impressive thing. If you don't know, I won't tell you. I'll be surprised. Converse-music.com. And check Thank it out. You, Converse. Too. It's still the most comfortable shoes in the history of shoes. Now, Candiria. We've had them on the show before. Uh, but, you know, they didn't have any new music in the in the works there. And they just happened to be putting out a new record or put out a new record. Uh, this one called uh, While They Were Sleeping, which is brand spanking new. And, Such a great album. And, dude, yeah, it really is. And last time we talked to Carly, so and Carly was awesome. Like, it was really great uh, talking to him. But, you know, we wanted to dive a little bit deeper. Sooner or later, we might get through everybody in the band at some point. But uh, John was great, man. He had, you know, open and talking about all kinds of cool stuff. You know, his uh, battle with addiction and a, a lot of other things going on with the band. So let's check out this interview with John LaMaccia of Candiria on the Metal Sucks podcast. Hello, this is John from Candiria. John, what's happening, dude? It's uh, Chuck and Godless from the Metal Sucks Podcast, brother. Hey, man, how are you? Doing thanks well. For, uh, thanks for having me. Oh, totally, man. Uh, good to talk to you, dude. I mean, this new record is just, pff, yeah, we had, to, we had to talk to you. Cool, man. I appreciate that. I hope that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> well, we just want to let you know, let you down easy, you know, and let you know that uh, it wasn't going to be in the in like the top five. No, really. It's like the best shit of your career. Honestly, it's thank awesome. You. Long shot. Thank you. you. Thank you, you very much. When you're writing the songs for this album, are you like thinking in your head, like all it's got to be is good for this album? It doesn't necessarily need to be good for a stage because fuck it. We're not touring that much anymore. It's just about the song. Is that like a different mindset when you're writing for this album? Uh, well, I mean, you know, honestly, this, the writing for this record, uh, is, has taken different sort of taken, I mean, it's taken a long time. Some of those material goes back to, I think, uh, some, some, very little of the material goes back to about 2010 or 11. Um, so the mindset then was just to make some Candiria songs, you know, cause we didn't have a touring band and it was just a couple of us that were working on that. But then when things developed and we finally were, you know, we had a conversation with Metal Blade and we had a conversation with Strong Management and things started to really take shape in that regard, we felt, okay, now we're writing a record that we want, A, to be a great, you know, a great listen and a great, a great, um, a great experience, um, but we also want to be able to perform this stuff live as well because we do want to hit the road, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, I guess we keep it all in. We keep it all in, in, in mind, and we try our best to make it work. Hey, John, wait a second. I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt, but but was that a joke? What? What are you talking about? Kandiria hitting the road. Is it uh, too soon for jokes like that? I mean, come on. We well, we have some tour dates booked already for November. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're going out in November with uh, Dialect. Uh, we're doing the Midwest, uh, the Northeast, and we're going up to Canada. Oh wow, that's actually like a lot of a lot of a lot of shows. I thought you were going to yeah. like Weekend Warrior this stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the, we we just finished up a, a little tour of New York City. We did a, we did a, our little five borough world tour. We called it, um, and we played we played a, a, a venue in every every borough. Um, and we just finished that up about a week and a half ago. And uh, now we're ready to get serious. You know, we we have plans to possibly either go to Europe in January or to do some more dates in the, in the states. Um, so yeah, we want to, you know, we love the record and we want to support it. It's got to feel sort of necessary to do that, to, to kind of, uh, it's a natural progression to get, to hit the road for you. But I mean, was that an odd decision? 
to come to for you, you know, given all, everything in the past, like, and how quickly this kind of came back about for you guys to, to, to get going again? Uh, it was, it was a really, it was a point of contention for a minute there, but you know, the thing was when we sat down with Brian Slagle from Metal Blade Records and we, we had a meeting with him and we just, just discussed the idea of making a record and, and Metal Blade putting it out, his expectations were so realistic and he was just so down to earth about everything and, and understanding what happened in, in our, in our, in our past experiences being on the road, understanding that we're, you know, we're, we're not, you know, teenagers anymore. We're, we're in our forties. Everybody has like, most of us have family and, and, you know, um, other aspects of our life that may present, uh, prevent us from, from hitting the road as hard as we used to. Um, but that made it, um, it really left it all up to us. He said, listen, if you want to, you want to make a record and, and we just won't hit the road with it, that's fine. We can figure out something. We'll figure out a way to make that work. If you guys did want to hit the road, we'll figure out a way to make that work, too. So him leaving it up to us and not putting any pressure on the band, that really made it, um, I don't know, for some reason that inspired us, I guess. It inspired me, and uh, it was easy for me to make the decision. Once we started making the record and we knew we had the right team behind us, I, I just felt these songs are great, and... I want to I want to support this not just for me not just for the band but for the label for the management team we have for all the people that are involved and all the fans that have supported us over the years you know Are you guys abandoning lives that you've been building over these years in order to be able to make this commitment Well of course that's the sacrifice you make you sacrifice time with your family you sacrifice time with uh you know time from other things you should be you could or should be working on in your own personal life um you know, my drummer Dan, uh, the new drummer in the band, he's he's getting married, and and you know he's going to get married soon, and then we're going to be out, and he's going to be, be away from his 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 wife. You know, so that's a sacrifice he's willing to make, and you know, it's it's just a part of this the whole thing how it works. You know, and it's always been a part of the lifestyle. It's something that I've accepted a long time ago, and it doesn't really get easier. But you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. But it's everybody's got like it, once you're at this age, like everybody's got a different amount of sacrifice. I mean, yeah. it, one one of you is is you know is a pre-trial lawyer or something. Somebody else is is tossing pizzas over at Ray's. You know, it's different kind of yeah. commitments. One guy's wife is good looking, and the other one's not. You know, different levels <laughs> of commitment when you leave them. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like I said, man, we all have different uh, aspects of our lives. Uh, our, our lives are all. You know, we're all older now. We all have different uh, personal, you know, personal things that we're involved in in our own personal lives. And, you know, this is all to all of us. The one thing we do share in common is this band. And, and, and the fact that we've, we've, this is what we do. This is what we, this is what we know. This is what, you know, that's, that's what, that's what makes this work is the fact that when, no matter how different our, our, different our lives may be independently from one another, when we get together and we play in a band, we all understand that that this is this is there's value to this. There's this is a part of our life that we don't want to let go of. Not only that, we want to we want it to grow. We want it to we want to make it our career, you know. Um, and and we're happy to do it. So, have those loved ones for you? Has that been an easy transition for them to go? Okay, go and do this. You need to go do this. Or was it the opposite of that? Was it kind of tearing uh, tearing it apart? Well, to be honest with you, um, we haven't done enough right now to really, you know, give you a really good idea of how much that's affected any of our personal lives. We only, the only thing we've done so far really is we've done this five day sort of New York City tour, which yeah, didn't affect anyone. Close to home, all, yeah, right there. Yeah, we're we're all native New Yorkers. Um, but this uh, coming tour will be our first time hitting the road. 
And, you know, and so I guess we'll, we'll know from, from, from then on how this affects everyone individually, but how's it looking? I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, is it looking, is it looking pretty good so far? I mean, for you personally, how's it looking? It's looking pretty good. It's it's looking great. I mean, my, my personal situation, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm involved with another musician and another artist, so they totally get it, you know? Um, so that's not a, that's not a problem for me. Yeah. That's good. Um, That's good. Yeah, no, I'm, everything is everything is really really shaping up to, to to make more sense than it ever has at this point in our in our career. Has your significant other done much touring over the course of your relationship? Um, my significant other is going to do some going to do some work in the Midwest in the next week or so. Um, but I don't know if I should go into her personal her personal details or whatever oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's all good yeah. well, you're not proud of her music that's okay that's okay <laughs> yeah. yeah well i mean just thinking about it from the uh, from the opposite perspective like you getting to see somebody do that versus you going to do that you know has it right. been that way for a long time versus you know this is now new fresh and new for you to go back out on tour or was there some envy there no, not at all. There, there's just nothing but love and support, and um, it's it, it that goes both ways, you know. Um, I have tons of respect for the person I'm involved with, and and I hope she has the same amount of respect for me. <laughs> um, but I do believe it's mutual, you know. We, we but we both have different backgrounds, but we just wound up, you know, both in music, and uh, we both we both love it, and we both really uh, not only support each other, but like um, we we work with each other on certain things. For example. Uh, her name is Andrea Horn, and she actually sang on one of the songs on the the record. She sang on a song called Opaque. She did some guest vocals, and it came out amazing. That's a cool and she's song. She's incredibly talented. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's super talented and, you know, just came into the studio for a day, got in the vocal booth, and just came up with this magical, <laughs> you know, great accompaniment to Carly's vocals, and, and it really worked out. You gonna shoehorn her into the van? I mean, that's how you do it. That's you just wedge that in just a little bit. And then, come to sing with us, oh, you know. Come yeah, on. just just for a song. Come on, it'll be fine. Well, we'll see about that. I don't know. <laughs> is it is Plus it tour with is a bunch it of like, smelly guys? Yeah, yeah. Is it competitive when you are in a relationship with someone who has the same profession you do? No, definitely not. It's not competitive unless you're with the wrong person. I'd say. I, I think it's just you know that's that's a, a matter of finding the right person that, you know, supports and respects what you do and, and they have enough respect for themselves to, you know, understand that their life is completely different than, than yours, you know, and, and if, if there's anyone who's going to envy anyone, it'll be me envying her because she's way more, she's just got her shit together, basically, and uh, she's got a good head on her shoulders. No, that's, so, that's, awesome. yeah, yeah, that's what I really started. Yeah, yeah. I only started podcasting because my wife did it first. And now she's ah, pissed. You know, I so. see. I see. Yeah. She's, yeah. Wow. No, the, the first thing we have to admit as men is that our that any woman that is willing to be with us has definitely got a better head on their shoulders than uh, than we do. So. Uh, yeah, from being married no, as long as I have. Come I on, that's not true at all. My wife is obviously completely delusional. I mean, come <laughs> well, on. there's yeah. Okay, maybe you're right. Uh, <laughs> But man, I mean, you, you know, I've been looking back at in the last couple of days, I've been going back over some of the, the other stuff that you've been creating over the years. And man, I mean, you've got like a tremendous output. And I mean, we we're talking about Candiria, obviously, but dude, between Spilacopa and Demon John and like, there's so many different things that you have uh, that are out there. And there's some really dark moments that you've got in some of, in some of the stuff. Candiria doesn't feel as dark as some of this other stuff that you've got out there. 
to use a better word, demons in there. Well, I mean, you know, the Candiria, I'm only one member of the band. And, and I think because I have this outlet that is not really... It, there are dark, you know, there's a lot of dark energy in, in the music we write for Candiria, but there's something uh, energetic about it. And when I, when, I, when I mean energetic, there's something that I mean like it, it, it pulls energy out of people or, or inspires energy in people. Um, whereas the music that I write for Spilacopa, especially the Demon John record, that, that was a dark record because it was written during a very dark period of my life. And uh, it was a cathartic um, experience. And in, in another way, and, and in, other, in other words, it was a way for me to sort of ex, ex, expel these demons and deal with them. You know, that's my therapy. Music is therapy to me. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I was, I was, like I said, it was a dark time in my life when I wrote most of that music. That being said, I love dark music. I'm a fan of Swans and, and Dead Can Dance and Lisa Gerard's solo material. Mm. And, um, I, I, you know, like True Widow and, and dark brooding music. That I, That's my favorite type, a type of music to listen to. So I... I I dwell there because I enjoy I enjoy dwelling in that in that sort of uh, spectrum of music. I always wonder whether you're actually exercising these demons or whether you're exercising the demons. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe it's a bit of both, man. Maybe it's a bit of both. You might have something there because you know. I mean, to, to put, you know, it's one thing to deal with it and 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 write songs. It's another thing to put it out there for the world to hear. You know, I mean, I think that's the part where I want to share it with people. I want to. I want to exercise it. I want to. I want to exploit it a, a little bit, and 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 for for my own personal amusement, basically, not for any other reason. It's not like there's some grand plan. It's just my my. It's my art. It's my it's my outlet. It's my way to express myself and and what I deal with and what I go through. And honestly, listening back listening back to some of the stuff, you know, now, even though I just put the record out in February, you know, I listen back. I'm like man, this is some really dark music, really dark. But I'm happy about that. I'm happy about it because that means I'm in a better place if I'm looking back and I'm saying, man, that was really dark. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, maybe that means that I'm, I'm in a better place now because of it. Does it have a physicality for you? Because I always know that like in, uh, depression and things like that in my past have always felt like it's got a physical being to it. And when you're, when you're able to put it out there, it it does actually feel like it's you're exercising it and and you're and it's it's a physical thing. Does it feel that way for you? I I have to agree. I really do because I mean when I got the record out, um, I there was this great feeling of like you know what, I'm I'm really in a good place right now in my life. I feel really really good, and um, that was something that I noticed when I did I did an interview with uh, Frank Godless of Mental Injection, and we discussed it. We discussed it. We did like a video interview. And we discussed it. And I said, "I said, you know, I know this. All this music is really dark, and it's really dark subject matter." But I said, you know, honestly, I'm feeling great. I, I have an amazing life, and I feel so good about everything right now. I don't think I've ever felt this this positive and this uh, and this sort of happy. I guess in in my life. So so maybe that that there is something to be said about that. Maybe it is it is physical. Maybe it does affect you in the mind and that. And that in turn affects the, affects the body. When you're being really honest with your art, right? And you're you're sitting down, you're writing a song, and then you got somebody who's really close to you, who's nearby, and they hear that kind of honesty coming out of you. Whether it's it's you know sadness, anger, whatever it is, do you ever get nervous that that's being shared with somebody that you know? There's some parts of us that we don't want to share with the people who are you know our, our significant others, for example. 
Sure. I mean, absolutely. And, and that is that, especially when it comes to someone who's really close to you and they hear it, you know, it's one thing for people that have been supporting your music for years and they go and buy your record and they're like, Hey, I mean, I love this record. It's awesome. And they, or they comment about the darkness or, or they, they mention specifics or details about the songs that as, you know, as opposed to someone who you really are intimate with or a family member or something like that, who hears it and may look at you like, dude, what the, are you all right? You know, and they, you know, I guess there is, there is that not necessarily reluctance to share it, but there's that uh, caution or, or in, in sharing it. And, and you're, you know, you're just not sure what the response is going to be and you're not sure how you're going to feel um, with, with their response, you know. But for me, I think, I think for the most part, I keep my lyrics really, really cryptic, you know. So I'm, I always feel a little shielded from that because of that. Um, I do write in a certain way. I, I write lyrically in a certain way where, where, I, where I sort of protect myself just a little bit. At least that's what I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, so so that that darkness that you say that you kind of have been able to shed a little bit here. Did you feel like that was internal or external? Um, that was maybe maybe a bit of both. I mean, the years from I'd say well from nine eleven. I mean, you know, I'm going to go back that far because yeah. I think that's that's where these feelings, a lot of this 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 these feelings are rooted. Nine uh, eleven happened, and that was a extremely traumatizing experience if you were here living here if not if you were living anywhere in the country anywhere in the world it could you know be a traumatizing experience if you have some kind of connection here or whatever but for me personally you know being a new yorker and living here and, and living across the water in downtown brooklyn and you know watching this happen watching it happen for in real time right in front of right in front of our eyes you know, that was a really traumatizing thing. And then for the next the next year, the same month of the next year, the band was in an accident, um, a really bad accident. Um, and then subsequently, uh, you know, we were all, I was on pain medicine, and I just started taking a little bit more than I should have. Next thing I know, I had a little bit of a problem there. Then I had a horrible relationship happen, and then my mother passed away in 2006. So these last, you know, 15 years or so have been like really, really tough, really tough years, really, really, a really difficult time in my life. And, uh, that's really when all of these songs were written. They were written in that time period. And there's a lot of darkness there and a lot of shit that I had, had to deal with. A lot of stuff that I still have to deal with. And, um, but that being said, I'm in a, I'm in a great place now, you know, and, um, I feel great. We talked to John Baisley, Baroness, and he was saying that, you know, his, he's really struggling with, with painkillers now. And part mm. of what he said is a real trouble is that before the accident, he had issues with alcohol. So that mm. just sort of puts him really, really in a, a sensitive spot. You know, he's got a wife and kid and, you know, he's trying really yeah. hard to kind of keep it all balanced. And yeah, mm. I was curious about that. You know, you mentioned painkillers yourself. Is it sure. something you've been able to get through? How do you deal with it daily? Yes, I have. I'm, I'm, I'm through it. I got through it, man. You got to get help. Awesome. You got to be awesome. strong enough to get yourself help. And I was, I struggled for many, many years. I struggled with it for um, nine years. I was on, I was on painkillers for. I couldn't get away from it, you know. And then one, you know, it was around Christmas time, and I was like, either I'm going to kill myself or I'm going to be broke, because uh, I had a, I mean, I had a, a habit that was pretty damn expensive. And I just decided, I was like, that's it. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. I never wanted to do it in the first place. It's just been a coping mechanism, and it's, it's got to, it's, I got to end it here. So I went to detox, 
and they, you know, they, they dry out for a few days, and then, you know, they put you on um, something called Suboxone. It's really a great, a great, a great um, treatment. It is, and, and I think that uh, and most people are familiar with it that are, that are struggling with opiates. If they're not, they should see a doctor and get themselves. That's the one that's supposed to help curve the, <clears throat> the craving, right? Oh, well, it does everything. It's an opiate okay. blocker. It's an opiate blocker. It's an, uh, you know, even if, like, if you're on Suboxone and you were to take some type of opiate, if you had the, the urge to, which you shouldn't, because it curbs it completely. It's just, what it does is it, it fills your opioid receptors. Yeah. So your body thinks you already have it. You already think you're, you're high, but you're not, you know, and, you, and you just, you're on something, and then you have to wean yourself off of it, um, which is what uh, it took me about, it took me a long time to do it because I wasn't, I wasn't ready. But then I finally did, and, and that was it. I'll never, ever go back to that shit. Never, never. Did it ever never. lead to anything else, or were you able to keep it just with painkillers? Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I never went further than that. I, I never went further than the opiates, um, the, the painkillers, yeah. because I, I, for me, you know, once again, man, I'm, I'm, it was, there's the issue is, and this is a, a real huge problem in this country now at this point, is something called pharmaceutical addiction, mm-hmm. where, you know, you may not necessarily have addictive tendencies, but then you get an injury, and a doctor puts you on Vicodin, and, you know, then, you know, say two years later, you finish that prescription, you don't think much of it. A couple of years later, something else happens to you. You go to the doctor. You have to get a tooth pulled. He gives you codeine or something like that. Next thing you know, you're like, oh, that, you know, that feels pretty good, <laughs> you know? You start to maybe lean on it if, if, if it's something you, you, can, you, you need continuously. Like, well, you my, start to get, like, problem. phantom pain and stuff. Like, it, yeah, the pain yeah, and withdrawal I'm, feels like pain, yeah. Sure, absolutely. And especially with, with the, what I struggled with after the accident, I had chronic pain. I, um, yeah. I, uh, Which I is legit. My, you know. Yeah, I broke my arm in two places. I broke my sh- my collarbone in two places. I broke my arm, my first rib, uh, my shoulder blade, all on the right side. I herniated two discs in my neck, um, all kinds of shit. And I had just chronic pain all the time. And it was just like, you know, no, I didn't want to be in pain. So you just keep taking this, this shit. Next thing you know, you, you have a serious problem. And um, and then you, have, you just have to deal with it. And, and you know, and that, that's the hardest part is is finding the strength to, to just deal with it because it's scary you know you because getting sick is really it's really horrible it's a horrible feeling and it's yeah. right it's kind of frightening and that's why people keep taking drugs not to, not because they want to you know and unfortunately it's it's really lonely too yeah of course it is you know because it, it just gets down to that point where it's you kind of wrapped up with the pain slash addiction slash everything else wrapped into one sort sure. of thing yeah, sure, man. And it's it's interesting because when uh, when when Baroness was in the, was in this really bad wreck, I forget what mag. I think it was Decibel Magazine called me and they asked me to do an interview and sort of recount my experience mm. from from when we were in an accident. And I I said I, I'll do it, but I would like to reach out to John and and because he was stuck in he was stuck in in the UK yeah. when this happened. They were in the UK when this happened, and he had to stay. His family had to go there and be with him. And they had to stay there. So I reached out to him and I said, you know, I, I said, you know, I'm, I wrote, you know, something to the effect of like, hey, man, I'm really sorry this happened. And uh, I just wanted to write and wish you all the best. And, you know, and then we started going back and forth a bit. And he mentioned the painkillers. And I just wrote to him. I said, listen, 
you know, be careful with that stuff. Be really careful. I had a serious problem because of all of this. And I just, you know, just want to put that out there that, that you should be really, really careful with that stuff. And this is the first time I'm hearing that he has a problem with it. He's just saying he's struggling with it. I mean, he's getting, okay. you know, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't suggest that he's he's got a problem. I wouldn't want to address it that way. But the way right. he had said, it, it's just like, yeah, it's you know, something I on hurt top all of the his time. Mind. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, he still well, he still has the pain. You know. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. See that that's the problem. The problem is how do you cope with the pain? How do you deal with it? I mean, it's one misery or the other, <laughs> really. And that's the sad that's the sad part. It really is. It's it's. You, you're making a decision to either okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in pain, or I'm gonna deal with this other problem. Yeah. And and it's a tough thing to it's 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 difficult to 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 make that decision. One of the things he was saying was it's just when he's in pain, he's grumpy and he's got you know a wife and kid he's trying to be nice to, but sure. he hurts and he gets angry and so therefore you know trying to find something that'll make him a little bit more of a pleasure to be around is uh you know advantageous i i you know yeah. is that is that something that affected your relationships after the accident um i mean i don't i don't think it really i i couldn't really tell you because honestly i was just i was i was just on biking all the time so i really i was in pain but it wasn't as severe because i wasn't exposed to it yeah. you know what i mean like i wasn't i was just i was on pain medicine all the time so I wasn't really, I, like I said, I wasn't exposed to it, maybe to the degree that he is, and, and it didn't didn't really affect my relationships in that regard, where I was where I was grumpy and or I was just in a sour mood and I was taking it out on my significant other at the time or whatever. But um, uh, I was in such a fog, to be honest with you, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like a shroud. I was, yeah, I was in my own little world. I was. You know, it was it was a really dark time. It really was. So now, so, as far as like pain goes or any of that, you don't have anything like residual from any of that stuff, do you? Or do, are you still dealing with any of those issues? Of course, of course. And there's always going to be that when you have chronic pain and you have herniated discs and you've broken bones, you're always going to deal with with certain things. Um, but it's it's not as bad as as it was. It's it's better. Um, and it comes and goes. It's it's something, it's a type of thing where, you know, like if I'm, you know, I have rehearsal right now. I got to go in there in, in a few minutes. But if after a very long rehearsal, uh, a few hours of it, I, you know, I need to put the guitar down. I yeah. need to just, just sort of like take a rest and that's it for the day. And if I overdo it, a perfect example, we just did three, we did a live in-studio um, recording. We, we performed live and we recorded the audio as well. Um, and this is something we've been working on for a while. Um, but we also had, we had GoPros with these sort of, um, these clips that were attached to the headstock and it wasn't, they weren't very heavy, but, but it was heavy enough to where you like, after a day of working on these songs and getting these songs, right. You've, I felt it for, for like two days after that, I was pretty sore. So, you know, there, there are moments like that. But, you know, whatever. What are you going to do? That's life. <laughs> Did you ever have you know? a fear yeah. that you wouldn't be able to play? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely, man. I mean, that was, that was the thing. When the accident happened, we were, never, we, we were never quite sure if we would ever be the same after that. So, therefore, that we had this fear. Matter of fact, that was one of the reasons why, one part of the reason why we were dropping the label we were on at that time, because they felt we would never be the same. We would never be able to perform up to the ability that we were able to before the accident. So yeah, that that was that was a fear that was floating around for a while. <laughs> Is that a bit like kicking you while you're down? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that whole thing, that's, that's another whole long story that I don't think I can go into right now. But yeah, yeah. it was a pretty rotten, rotten, rotten thing to happen to the band when we got, got into the action. We found out that, eventually found out our label was pretty much shelving the band. And we had to, you know, figure out a way out of the deal and all of this stuff. But, you know, it's for them, I guess it was business. And, and they just handled it um, as businessmen do. And they were shrewd and, and not emotional about it. They just made a decision. And, you know, I, looking back, I, I do I respect how they handle things. No, I don't, but I'm not shocked in any way by it. I well, guess that's part you know, of what makes that conversation with Slagle such an important part of moving forward. Just think of the same thing. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You're, and and the, the great thing about it is, that, but that's the thing about, like, you know, you're right. That's the thing about, like, a guy like Brian Slagle. He's out. He's involved. He's got passion. He cares. You know, he gives a crap about the bands that he signs, the people he's involved with, the people he's working with. He's still a businessman. You know, he doesn't, he's a smart businessman and, and, and he's great at what he does, but he's not, he's not an asshole. Well, he, does, he <laughs> doesn't, he doesn't, well, not treating you guys like a commodity. Exactly. You know, and exactly. that's, that's the big difference is that, is, is that, you know, if you're, if you're just a name on a roster or a number or whatever, and you're just part of the deal in a, in just a, yeah, it's, it's gotta be different than that. No, it's, it's a huge difference. And that's honestly one of the inspiring factors of why we want to get on the road and support this album so badly, because we met, we feel we met someone who, who gets it. We met someone who deserves our, our trust, you know? And, um, and we're, we're, we're psyched, man. We're completely psyched. Of course, maybe Slagle has just did a master manipulation job, you know? <laughs> he's, just, he's working on another level higher than everybody. Yeah, yeah. If I tell him I this... I know how to get those guys on the road. Yeah, they're going to react this way. It's like, yeah, he's the master, he's the master motivator, man. He's L. Ron Hubbard and shit, you know? It's like, <laughs> well, well if, if that's the case, then it worked. Yeah. <laughs> You know? but John, how much? How much of like during the downtime of Candiria, when when you didn't know whether the band would exist anymore? How much of the band was a part of your personal identity and your uh, um, uh, re- relationship with your community? And how difficult was it to get these guys to come back to you? You know, honestly, um, it was just something where it was the, the the thing was everyone was off doing their own things. Everyone else, everyone was off exploring different ideas or, or doing other things. And, and honestly, it wasn't really going to happen unless there was an, unless we had the right team behind us. And, and now that we finally do, that really was the key. It was the right time. Um, it was the right time, I think, mentally for everyone to, to con- consider the idea. And then once all the pieces were in place, it was the right time for us to actually act on that, on those feelings. You know what I mean? So it did take a while because there were a bunch of different times I would, you know, I would, I would hound Carly and get together and be like, hey, man, what's up? What are we going to do? Are we going to do something here? Or are we going to talk to this guy or that guy? And he would just tell me, no, not the right time. I'm not, I'm not looking to do anything like that. And, and, and that would be it, you know? Um, but everything happens for a reason. Everything happens, everything happens at the right time for a reason. So, and I feel like we're, we're in the perfect place because we've never been closer as, as a unit. You know, we're, we're so tight and we, and we have nothing but, uh, you know, incredible respect for each other. And, and we're just, we're just, we're just smarter now. We're a little bit more mature now. I'll say that, you know, and, and we're ready to do this right. And, and hopefully, uh, we don't have any bumps in the road, so to speak. <laughs> 
Yeah. You know? Well, we, t- well, um, we talked to uh, Ben Wyman just a few weeks ago from Dillinger. He was saying that his big concern about the end of Dillinger is that <laughs> the phone stops ringing and all these people that he's made friends with over all these years actually are just more interested in Ben as a member of Dillinger than Ben Wyman. Did you have that happen to you when you stopped being John from Candiria? Uh, no, I, I didn't. I didn't because I quickly jumped into working on a new project and I made all kinds of new connections and, 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 and I just plugged myself into other different things and I started working with different producers and different musicians and, you know, I mean, you can't, I mean, in, in all, I, I understand where Ben's coming from and Ben is like a really good friend of mine and I love that dude, but I, I understand that fear. I understand that, that concern, but that's not going to happen to Ben. That's not going to happen to him. Ben, Ben is, he's just an incredible human being and, and I, I really do think he's going to find that the mo- mo- most of the people that he's linked up with over the years do genuinely see how incredible of a human being he is. And the ones that, that don't, that only do care about him because he's in Dillinger, good riddance. Good riddance. And he's better off. You know? Yeah. Kind of thought the same thing. It's like, because yeah. you can be inspiring as a musician. You can be, but being inspiring as a person is something that, you know, that's, uh, you know, that goes a long way. It really does, you know. Absolutely. And that dude is definitely inspire, an inspiring individual. Hard, one of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. And I've never seen anyone give so much energy on stage as that dude, as that, a guitar player, I'll say, because I couldn't believe what I witnessed Greg do. <laughs> the last show that I saw them at Webster Hall. I mean, I was extremely, extremely blown away by their performance. It was amazing. And uh, and they, they deserve all the accolades and all the praise that they get. They're, they're incredible performers. They really are. And they're my buds. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, hey, guys, listen, I got to I gotta go into rehearsal, man. These guys are waiting for me across the street. Right on, right on, man. Uh, dude, seriously, though, uh, new record is is some of your finest work of all time, I would have to say. So congratulations. Congratulations on Thanks. While They Were Sleeping, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, guys. Right, really thank- do. They hate us, we won't be sick. Kill the timeline. We'll free the horses with the men. Break the will to fight. Time for to sleep in the train. Let them work through this and all. Both the streets in the time. Is on the means, manipulate. 
Metal Sucks Podcast is brought to you by Outer Loop Records. Outer Loop Records is back with a brand new partnership with Cooking Vinyl and is happy to have relaunched and announced the signing of four bands, Chasing Safety, Magash, Youth and Revolt, and Lorna Shore. Here's a taste of Lorna Shore's Denounce the Light from their forthcoming Flesh Coffin album due out February 17th, 2017. Pre-orders for Lorna Shore's Flesh Coffin are available via all-in merch, allinmerch.com slash outerloop. If you're in the greater New York City area, make sure you go to the Outer Loop Records Showcase on Thursday, November 17th at the studio at Webster Hall. All the label bands are playing, and they'll have some really cool contests going on. Tickets available at WebsterHall.com.
Dark Tranquility, brand new music right there from their Atoma record. That one's called Encircled on the Metal Sucks podcast. Great stuff. It really is, man. And, uh, yeah. that, that record, it's, uh, I mean, it's huge. I just got the, the, uh, uh, like the double digital pack thing. Like nobody ever sends me CDs anymore, dude. And I got that one in the mail. I'm like, oh my God, cool. <laughs> Actual <laughs> products, dude. It's like, oh, finally something to put my hands on. I still enjoy getting product it's a good thing <laughs> luddite I, I know that you're not into actually um you know stuff that you get right dude i mean vinyl's dead obviously cassettes right out but That's you know cds they still sell a couple of those every once in a while and uh well unless you're avenged sevenfold <laughs> you know they, they sold a couple of albums their first their first week it's kind of hard to slouch a number four debut at, at what seventy two thousand albums sold the first uh the, the first week well you know so everybody's been wondering how trump got so many votes well, <laughs> there's seventy two thousand for you right there uh well so the the big stink about it was was um i think vincent made a post or somebody made a post on metal sucks about how this was basically less than half of what their last album had sold and right. and the album before and yeah because and i think the there was those two were about comparables like at 163 then 169 and i think there's like one and then this one's 72 uh yeah. and what the big drop-off is and figuring out, oh, wait, what the fuck is going on with this? You know, why do they sell so little records? And then somebody had like some one of the commenters was like, well, they should include streaming. Well, they actually do include streaming when they count the numbers yeah. now. So that's also included in there. It's uh, it, it's something that already exists. So it's like, um, what's the deal? It's not like they could do like an A-B test, you know, with the album release. You, you don't know exactly what it is. It could be the fact that they had that really screwy secret release date that's got to have something to do with it uh, it could be the fact that uh you know there's not a song on that album that's like less than six minutes long it's the you know that they tried writing their own songs this time for the first time in a long time and you know that didn't really go over it could be that the single wasn't a good first single it could be the change in record labels or it could just be that everybody's coming to the realization that Avenged Sevenfold sucks, and you know that <laughs> that I wouldn't I wouldn't discount that as a possibility. Well, now the thing is, is that I would not say that everybody would consider that a, 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 as a thing because I mean seventy two thousand is no slouch as far as records sold the first week is concerned. So I mean that's actually a pretty good pretty good set. Now the other thing is, I think I think the six minute song is definitely something that has something to do with it, as far as singles are concerned or anything like that. Because what made them, or you know, helped out quite a bit was their promotional ability that they had with Warner Brothers and the connections that they had at rock radio and things like that, and getting the the, the word out that way. Now this basically, you had what you had a song that came out, and then the album came out a week later. If that right, like it was something like it was one week, it was this, then they had that special virtual reality release thing. And then, boom, they announced the record and it's out an hour later at midnight or whatever. Right. So there's no time for any buildup or presale or anything like that. So, I mean, they're going to they're you know, they lost out a lot on that as far as the first week sales go. I'm interested to see what the I think the proof is really going to be in what happens over the next month or so with the band and whether or not this record sells consistently so like say they did 72 the first week will they do 72 next uh, next week and and 50 and then 30 and then 20 and so on down uh, versus doing 169 the first week 
and then 20,000 the next week. You know what I'm saying? And it might actually have a little more longevity in that case. But I don't know that there's a single. I don't know that there's something that's going to be pushed as hard as uh, Warner Brothers push them. Uh, You know, Capital is still a major label, but... You know, they're trying to do things differently. And and when they're talking about the old guard, the old guard doesn't do things differently. That's right. And you got to figure, you know, as far as like the timing between releasing the single and releasing the album, if you look at Avenged Sevenfold's demographic, that is too fast for word to spread from J.C. Penny to the food court. So <laughs> I, I could see why they didn't sell as many albums. Well, but you look at it this way, like Metallica is coming out with an album this week. Uh, the week that we release this podcast, the Metallica's new record comes out on Friday. The the upfront on this record has been uh, on the new Hardwired to Self Destruct has been uh, months and months and months and months of media fucking onslaught. They're doing fucking special programming where Corey Taylor's interviewing the band for th- an hour and a half. Uh, like, like, what a missed opportunity, right? Uh, I mean, like, there's like shit. I mean, there's shit going on. I mean, like, they're doing uh, these special things to. Ra- they're doing all kinds of shit, right? Just to just to promote this thing. They're doing uh, uh, no holds barred. It's it's fucking crazy, and they'll probably sell you know 150 thousand records the first week, maybe more. Who knows? But but it, they're gonna do well, right? So in that, but they're using the older model. To, to push this record. And I think it's this, you know, and we have read interviews and stuff with Avenged Sevenfold where they talk about this new, it's the new method. We're trying something new, Joe, because we don't want to do the same old thing that everybody's done all along, blah, 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 blah. And to me, it's like, well, you know, the fact that you didn't do it means that you didn't build any hype whatsoever. And the fact that it didn't work kind of means that nobody really gave a shit. So, I think you kind of failed yourself really here, you know, Uh, and I'm just surprised that they would be willing. I mean, they're in a legal dispute with Warner Brothers, right? They, they got like a new label. They're trying to prove themselves. They want to make sure that 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 machine gets behind them. Right. Why would you like mess with the 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 risk? You know? Yeah. Yeah, just like, you know, try to prove to the, the, the new team that you're going to deliver, like they probably forked over a, a, a freaking boatload to sign you. So prove that you can do it. And then, you know, and then you can fuck around, you know, once you got the machine under you. But why would you try to mess with it? I don't I don't quite understand that. It, it, it's kind of it, it's very reminiscent to me of uh, uh, Megadeth with um, uh, what's the, the album before the last one? Uh, United Abominations. Uh, or uh, no the terrible one oh uh, super uh super collider uh, yeah super collider you know like yeah. oh well we're gonna do our own label and we're gonna try to turn megadeth into a rock band and like <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa slow down you know one thing at a time here well i mean i don't i don't know i i also think that there is this sort of uh there's kind of the other side of this thing that it could be uh, an experiment to tank themselves in a way uh, so that they didn't show themselves a number one billboard album, blah, 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 because they have a court case coming up. So if you want to jump into court, is it better to say, well, you know, it's a number four. It wasn't really a number one. Is it better to say they've had the weakest sales they've had in 11 years in a court case or the best sales they've had in a, in 11 years at a court case? You know, so well, I mean, if I'm Warner Brothers. I'm arguing that that demonstrates how important Warner Brothers was to the success of the band. Uh, well, that's the, that would be the counter argument to that is, is like, look, yeah. this is what happens without us. 
But I mean, if they're suing for damages against Avenged Sevenfold, you know, and they and Avenged Sevenfold pulls out the sheets from this uh, from this album as as what an example of what they would have done for Warner Brothers is then then it's going to be half of what it was on the last record versus what it is now. You know what I'm saying? So the damages might be lighter in that case. So, I mean, there's that theory that they could be kind of sandbagging a little bit so that they don't have as many damages if they indeed lose this case against Warner Brothers or whatever, you know, whatever happens with any of that stuff. I'd be willing to to buy the argument that Avenged Sevenfold wrote these incredibly awful songs on purpose. <laughs> that that makes sense. Well, that makes, in fact, that makes a lot of sense. It's to not me. that yeah, awful. I, I mean, it really isn't that awful. It's better, dude. It's better than the last record. The last record was like, oh, yeah. Well, the last record was a, a Metallica meets Guns N' Roses mashup. I mean, it was no, it like was literally, it was uh, it was yeah. that. I mean, there's no like yeah. even high. So I guess anything's better than a pile of shit, you know. So I mean, th- yeah, that's this. You know, work, work I right mean, way. I appreciate the fact that you know they 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 didn't have uh, uh, the the hard rock real book opened up in front of them while they were trying to write this. <laughs> Thing, but hey i mean and i love on. neil degrasse tyson so i gotta give him at least uh, at least some nods for that one you know i got I, lo- I love some neil degrasse tyson so that guy is pretty awesome <laughs> I, I, I i don't know i kind of can see i don't know why why rock the boat if you know that for your audience this is what works right you know, it's a, it, it, you can compare it to Donald Trump like you did there in the beginning, right? You know, it's like it, Donald Trump, the, the things that work for him to, got, to get his ass elected, uh, people are like, well, he's going to change once he's in office. It's like, no, why? Because that shit worked for him. You know, he's going to keep doing it. So do you think he's going to change? Why would Avenged Sevenfold, if it's worked for you all this time, why would you fucking change that shit? I don't understand why that why that that can't be that important to well, money's not that important to us bullshit bullshit yeah they, they, they yeah and that's why i don't buy the argument that you know they tank themselves you know they like the money i'm just saying and, that, that, that i'm just saying the, the theory may be out there that that's part of yeah, it you know I don't, yeah. I don't know that that's true i mean why i don't see anybody that wants to purposefully not sell records you know but, you know, you also pointed something out before we started talking about this and that a lot of the other bands that were on the list were also selling about half of what they sold last year as well. Oh, yeah. 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 It was a Memphis May Fire had kind of a down open uh, release week, all this sort of thing. But, you know, uh, that 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 that's one of those things where it can go either way all the time and other bands will release a week earlier and they double what they did it's just it's not it's not uh causal you know it's not like it was uh uh flooding in half of the united states and therefore nobody could get to their local tower records you know no it's <laughs> there are no tower records and you know people or maybe still buy the albums they want to maybe i could just know? be alarmist here and say that this is a the canary in the coal mine for heavy metal you know, I the, this is what's if, happening to heavy metal. This is where we're good. It's, it's, it's the beginning of the end. It means yeah, that what, nobody's buying heavy metal anymore. Nobody wants it anymore, man. No. What happens <laughs> if, if Avenged Sevenfold gets super pissed at Capitol Records because Capitol didn't, didn't deliver for them, and in the negotiation with Warner Brothers, they figure out a way to negotiate a way back? Ooh, with Warner Brothers? 
Yeah. I don't know. Warner Brothers did Think give about them, this. Uh, Warner Brothers Warner Brothers gave him the finger by putting out that didn't they put out a like a greatest yeah. hits or some shit that came out a week yeah. before the new album or whatever or we it was gonna come out a week before the new album? Is that maybe that's why they did it? But obviously, Warner Brothers, you know, they they know everybody at the mall, you know, and Capitol Records doesn't know everybody at the mall. And Avenged Sevenfold, you know, they may have thought they were kings of the mall, but it turns out, well, I'm saying that. I'm saying that that like you know they that uh, Warner Brothers obviously knew how to market this band. They knew how to get the, their albums in the hands of of their fans. Capitol Records different staff different people different contacts different uh, but that was the whole uh, argument that they had against warner brother records in the first place was that they did not know how to market that band it didn't do it correctly because mm. uh because they that's that's what they were pretty much suing for right or, or that's why the breach of contract thing was because yeah, it wasn't the same staff that worked there at warner brothers records I don't know. Sometimes you, you might want to look around and go do a little gut check and go, look, our band is a local band that's getting away with it. We're selling a shitload. Uh, we better might want to just, you know, you know, thank our lucky stars that we're in the spot we're in. Mm. Uh, well, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think Capitol Records has got just the same machine, if not it, it, exactly the same machine that, that Warner Brothers Records has, whether or not they're, they – were able to via the band's wishes to do what they wanted to do with this record you know that's a whole nother story because they made the band makes it sound like we chose to do it this way because this is what we wanted to do it's a new and inventive way to do things which is total bullshit by the way Um, man but i'll talk about mud on the faces of the band because like you know here it is they've been arguing with warner brothers we want to do it this way we want to do it this way Warner was like fuck you we know what's better we're gonna do it they'll do it our way and then finally Avengers sevenfold goes screw you we're going over here Capital Records probably goes, hey, man, anything you guys want to do, we're just happy that you can sell, you know, 100000 on week one. And, and whatever, you, you, whatever seven-minute-long tripe you want to put together, that's fine. We're all with it. And then it happens, and it uh, turns out you didn't know what you thought you knew. Yeah, uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, well, I, you know, like, go back to covering Metallica songs. That's really what the audience did. I got to be honest. I gave them a lot of grief for covering Metallica and Guns N' Roses on the last album. And I was like, you know what? You guys, if you were smart, you'd write your own songs. But now I've heard them write their own songs, and I got to retract that. I think going back <laughs> and covering Metallica songs might be a better idea. I don't know. Like I said, I don't think this is a terrible record. That, that, I don't think that's the problem at all. I mean, honestly, I think it's a, it, it's a pretty decent album. Uh, and, you know, I have got, I've got no problem with the guys as far as what kind of musicians they are, that kind of thing, except for Hail to the King. But, but uh, you know, for the most part, like, I don't think that's the thing. I think this was like a poor business decision in a way, unless it plays out differently. Like I said, we don't know how it's going to play out over the next month. And who knows? They could be the smartest guys in the room. We just don't know it yet. But uh, I had a feeling that still we're kind of at the point with, you know, the only reason why anybody knows that there's an Avenged Sevenfold record out there is because, you know, dudes like us are talking about it. You, Chuck, you're, you know, so you're you, way too generous. You're way too generous. Avenged Sevenfold put the meh in metal. That's the way I That's not right. This is not right, man. I think the M and M Shadows now stands for Man. maybe we should go back to Warner Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somehow I just don't think that's going to work out for him. I'm just sorry, guys. I think you're kind of hosed. Oh well, what are you going to do? 
Well, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. I'm tired of talking about this band. Uh, my bad, Shadows. And my bad. <laughs> and my bad. Uh, let's see. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. That way it comes right to your device. Uh, you can also get us at MetalSucks.net every single Monday if you click on the podcast tab. We've got ancient shows from way back the before the time before time, man. You know, like uh, Godless said earlier, we've been doing this show for almost four freaking years now. Believe that yeah. shit, damn. Should be going to college after four years, right? <laughs> you know how it works. Uh, no, no, Bernie didn't get elected. Sorry, uh, <laughs> so, screwed. Uh, you can also find us on social media. I am at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks. Godless Speaks on Facebook and Spotify. And you can find us uh, at Chuck and Godless on Instagram and ChuckandGodless.com. That's our Patreon. So uh, we will beg you for money and give you cool podcast stuff in return. So yes, we appreciate you chipping in and uh, helping us out because you know we're not afraid to uh to ask please yeah money we're good we got i got i got some cool ideas that we're going to start rolling out over on uh, patreon soon so thank you very much and uh thanks for uh everybody's been on board so far we got some good more good content coming your way lickety split yeah awesome. actually working on a cool little segment we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with it and and been building it up over time so i think you're going to enjoy it once we put it all together so a lot of cool stuff so join up become an early adopter we would appreciate it you know going into 2017 put it in your budget put it in our budget that'd be kind of awesome that'd be you know what I'm saying? Yeah. and merry christmas to you, you and all that stuff saying? yeah that'd be great <laughs> okay cool all right, till next week, I am Chuck. And I'm Godless. This is another episode of the Metal Sucks Podcast. Making two possibilities a reality, predicting the future of things we all know. Fighting off the disease programming of centuries, 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 centuries. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.